we know we've been burned enough that we know we can't do anything with him until we've got a contract on paper. Sure. And so life experience also helps you define what risks you're willing to take. Welcome to the Marriage Family Business Podcast. My name's Mick. And my name's Claire. I'm a husband, father of two incredible young boys, a business system strategist, tech entrepreneur, and author of the best-selling book, Beyond the Marketing Funnel. I am a wife, mother to the same two incredible little boys, reluctant entrepreneur, and classically trained vocalist and music educator. Claire and I are founding owners of several businesses, including Rockstar, an internationally renowned online marketing and systems management firm based in good old Traverse City, Michigan. We created the Marriage Family Business Podcast to open up the conversation about how these three areas of our lives collide and to try and tackle the question, how the heck do you manage it all successfully? And of course, to help other entrepreneurs and entrepreneurial couples discover real life in the trenches advice for the common problems that being an entrepreneur with a family and spouse often entail. So sit back, preferably with your spouse or your partner, as Claire and I take you on this journey with us and share with you our wildest stories and most valuable learning experiences that you can't find on a Google search. Let's roll. In this episode of the Marriage Family Business Podcast, we talk about Hurricane Florence and my family situation in North Carolina, as well as calculated risks, what risks are important to take, how to decide what risks you should take, and how to weigh both the pros and the cons of the risks and their potential outcomes. We've joked on previous episodes that a lot of these episodes are kind of born out of necessity. We've got something on our minds. We def desperately need to talk about them. And because we work together and we've been married for 10 years and together for 12 years and... And physically together for probably about 90% of that time, actually. <laughs> actually, like, yeah. legitimately. We were able to talk through things and, and draw parallels. And today's going to be no different. Um, as we sit here on September 12th, um, you will hear this episode afterwards obviously. Hurricane Florence is heading directly for my family. Almost with a bullseye. That's not a joke. It's not an overestimation. Most of my family lives in Fayetteville, North Carolina, including my mom and my stepdad and my sister and her husband and my dad and my stepmom. Um, they all live in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Now, having grown up in Fayetteville, North Carolina, my family has been there in some way, shape, fashion, or form. I mean, my folks moved back there. My dad was raised there. How long's the actual family been in in Eastern North Carolina? I mean, Eastern North Carolina. My dad's so my dad's side of the family has several hundreds of acres in Eastern North Carolina in Smithfield. That's been in our family since before the Civil War. And actually, I'm sure at some point we'll have a podcast episode titled "The Many Ways to Die in Eastern North Carolina" because that's one of our running joke, not jokes. Or the, or the War of Northern Oppression. Exactly. Also, yeah, <laughs> that's a podcast for a different day, but. To say that my family is very used to hurricanes and things like that is 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 like saying that my my family is used to snowstorms and blizzards and exactly. things like that. It's not a big deal, you know. And and the running joke in North Carolina, certainly Eastern North Carolina, is that you know if there's snow or ice, you know the the supermarkets run out of bread and milk first, and if there's a hurricane warning, they run out of pop tarts and beer first. <laughs> I cannot tell you how many hurricane parties I was part of as an East Carolina pirate. That's where I went to college. Cannot spell parties without pirates, or cannot spell. Pir yeah, 
Cannot sell parties without pirates. That's a true story, by the way, as you take a moment to write out the two words. What a, what a, what a great line. I'd actually never heard that. Oh, That's sweet. Man. Man. Well, I dig it. The reason that Hurricane Florence then is specifically on my mind is twofold. The two worst hurricanes I can recall uh, in my lifetime were Hurricane Fran. I was in seventh grade. It was the beginning of September. Uh, I had just started the new school that I was at. I, I was at one school for sixth grade and then my mom got a teaching job in another school and I joined her at that school on the 10th day of school, which is the last day you could move schools. And literally was in class for a week-ish, maybe, before school was closed for a week and a half because of Hurricane Fran. The eye of Hurricane Fran passed right over Fayetteville, North Carolina, to the point where we actually went outside in the middle of the hurricane during the eye, and there were all the stars. This was overnight. I think it was a Thursday night. Um, and there were all the stars, and there were four trees that had been pulled up in my mom's boyfriend's backyard. That must have been really cool, it actually. Was, it was or amazing. Eerie, eerie, um, odd, bizarre. Yeah, awe-inspiring, I think, because I'm looking at the devastation like it ripped out his patio. Luckily, none of the trees landed on his house, but like we, we were all staying at his house because we, we were worried about being in our house by ourselves. I mean, he's got giant trees down in the backyard and we're able to be in the backyard and you can see the clouds, you can see the wall. I was going to say, could you see the wall? Yeah. Was, but, it, was it really defined? Well, it was night. I mean, so it's hard okay. to say mm. that it was super, super Fair clear, enough. but I mean, there was definitely a break. Like you could see stars. And then you could see cloud. Anyway, I ended up sleeping through the back half of Hurricane Fran. Um, we were able to go home. We lost one tree, um, but we were able to go home. We Our power was restored a couple days later, but we didn't get cable back for like another week and school <sighs> wasn't in. And so as a 12-year-old, pre-internet for real, you know, having no cable. I'm sorry, hold on, hold on. What year is this? Uh, 96. Pre-internet for real. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, That's great. <laughs> But so we had power, but like no cable. And so we kept rewatching the same Disney movies. Part of the reason why I'm kind of over Pocahontas, you know, but whatever, I digress. Um, and then Hurricane Floyd hit Greenville, North Carolina in the late 90s, early aughts before I was a student there. And Greenville, North Carolina was underwater, like legit underwater for days. Like I remember that there were still some student housing complexes that were still being cleaned up from Hurricane Floyd when I was ready to go look for student housing in the spring of 2003. Wow, no kidding. So the F hurricanes and North Carolina are not BFFs. The second reason that this is a thing is that my sister is 38 and a half weeks pregnant. Yeah, it's more of a thing. She is due on the 24th with our nephew. This will be their first child. Um, they did not have an easy road to being pregnant with my nephew Clayton, our nephew Clayton. And now here she is, um, due on the 24th with a hurricane barreling toward her. So in more ways than one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> She's got no idea, man. But hey, sorry, I, oh, I, I digress. That's sorry. funny. That, that was a softball. Like that was teed right in. <laughs> That's great. So anyway, so and and tr like we know this is not a laughing matter um humor is definitely a defense mechanism though so please forgive us that but so they are squarely in the path of hurricane florence and my parents my mom and my stepdad live about 5 minutes from the hospital in one of the higher elevated parts of town my sister and her husband live 15 to 20 minutes from the hospital 
but in a more isolated part of town. They they don't live in a wooded area, but they have to drive through a couple wooded areas to get to the hospital in the first place. And so they have made the decision to go stay. They're taking their beautiful giant German shepherd dog with them as well. And they're going to go stay with my parents starting tonight and right out the hurricane. So however long that means they need to be there is what it means. Because if you've seen the path of this damn thing, or like at this point, we're not on the other side of it. I have no idea how long it has parked over the Carolinas, but they could be experiencing rain from this thing through early next week. It, it, it's a big storm. It's a big storm. Well, take take two seconds real fast or a minute real fast and just explain the difference of types of hurricanes because this is yeah. something that like like that I didn't really understand this component of it myself. Well, and and I'm sure it's something that the Weather Channel talks about, but like we don't watch the Weather Channel, so I don't know that for sure. But in my experience with hurricanes, you've really got two types of hurricanes. You've got a wind hurricane and you've got a, a water hurricane. And a wind hurricane are going to be the hurricanes that are moving. Um, they they are large. They are are bringing super powerful winds, but they when they hit land, they move, they go. And so it's it's definitely, you're still gonna get a ton of rain, you're still gonna get storm surges and things like that, but the, the bulk of the damage is gonna be from the winds that come through, trees that are down, damage to, the, damage to houses that way. The other types of hurricanes, certainly if you live inland, like, like Fayetteville is, or you live inland, but basically on... The, the floodplain, like Greenville, North Carolina, are water hurricanes. And those are going to be hurricanes with the really massive storm surges and the hurricanes that park when they get on land. And the reason that's a problem is because, yeah, you've got the storm surge no matter what. But then if you're going to add a ton of rain on top of it because the storm is not leaving you, you now have an even more escalated flood issue. So if you're looking at a 22-foot storm surge, which is what I understood, uh, at least as of, as, yesterday, of yesterday as of yesterday morning, they yeah. were talking about a 22-foot storm surge in the Myrtle Beach area. Which is where my my mom has a condo. It's where my grandmother used to have her condo. Like, all of my summer memories as a child are in North Myrtle Beach. Which will be, well... I don't know. I don't know. Like, I... And, and honestly... <laughs> It'll be interesting to listen to this episode specifically on the other side of airing it. Amen. Because there is such uncertainty right now. And in two, three weeks when this is launched, like we're all going to know what happened with Hurricane Florence. Hopefully nothing. But that leads us to something that Mick and I talk about a fair amount. And we knew that at some point this was going to be a podcasting topic. And that is calculated risks. So when we first decided we were going to do a podcast, we had to brain dump topics. What are some topics that we would talk about, which is really tough to do. So we spent the better part of a week and literally I, I had a, a Google doc on my phone. And if something funny or something would happen, we'd just toss it on there. And one of the things that we talked about was when Mick and I first met, he had a motorcycle and he jokes about how now <laughs> he jokes about yeah. how Claire would never let me have a motorcycle now. I'm like, well, yeah, because motorcycles are a lot more sexy pre-kids. It's all about calculated risk. That depends on your, your frame of reference for what it's worth, Claire. Well, fine. For me, calculated risk means that, yeah, if we don't have small children, you may have a motorcycle. Because if something horrendous were to happen to you, given our current state, sure. growing business, small children, that would be devastating. That is a risk that I am not willing for us to take. However, living a risk-free life is not a possibility. So if having a motorcycle is that important to you, if we sell this business and we're doing well financially and our kids are older or whatever, and you just must have a motorcycle, that is a risk we can 
talk about, we can consider. That is a calculated risk. We know motorcycles are risky. At what point in time are we willing to introduce that risk? So the reason that this circles back around is that my sister and her husband are staying with my parents. With love to everyone in the situation, I don't know that I could ride out a hurricane with anybody other than you. And honestly, by the end of that, I'm not sure that I would still like you very much because it's stressful anyway, power's out, no cable, like that's a lot of sitting around with your thoughts. But it is more important that Anna is close to the hospital should she go into labor than that they are there to babysit their house and their property. So she can't evacuate. She needs to be near her hospital. Like where else are they going to go? Basically our entire family is in Eastern North Carolina. Got some family in Richmond, Virginia. They're still probably going to get this stuff too. But her doctor, her hospital, everything is right in town. She's not going anywhere. So the calculated risk is, yes, we're going to ride out the thunder, ride out the storm, but we're going to do it at mom and Frank's house so that if I go into labor, we're right there. It is impossible to live a risk-free life, but to make sure that the risk you're taking aren't going to completely devastate you. Like what were to happen if they had stayed at their house and she went into labor and the roads were flooded or that, a tr- that trees were down, power lines were down, their road is closed. Yeah, who knows? I mean, it could end up being that, that Ryan ends up actually delivering the baby himself, which would be certainly a scary situation. And cert- I'm sure it's something that he hasn't trained for. <laughs> I mean, who does, right? Exactly. You know, I mean, would it be the end of the world? Yeah. No, probably not. Actually, I don't even know, man. Um, well, we, we we have a friend who had to catch his second child. Um, yeah, but he actually had help on the way too. Like, yeah, like he had exactly. help that showed up showed up at his door, literally as the baby was caught in his arms. If I'm not mistaken, so <laughs> pretty pretty close. You know, yeah. I, in this particular situation, I think that it's safe to say that that's not what uh, what they would be looking at. Correct. Right? And so. It, it definitely, it, it's definitely a calculated risk to do that, right? Correct. I wonder if we would make the same decision if we were them. And see, that's interesting because everyone also has a different definition of what risks they're willing to take. Yeah, a risk, a risk, a risk threshold. Really, exactly. You know, exactly. And my guess is that I would have a higher risk threshold, but then again, I've also never ridden at a hurricane, so I have no idea really what I'm talking about. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, you, you, when you live in a place that has hurricanes a lot. I remember with, with Hurricane Katrina, you know, the New Orleans mayor and the Louisiana governor coming on like, listen, I know you know, you've, been, you've lived through hurricanes, you've not lived through this. And there is a false sense of security for those of us who grew up in the path of hurricanes to the point where like, we're willing to buy Pop-Tarts and beer when a category three storm is heading our way. Category three storm, eh, whatever. Whereas somebody who has not grown up like you, dealing with hurricanes. I mean, you'd end up with, you know, tropical storm fallouts as it starts heading up, you know, heading up the coast. Sure. But, but you've not been in a direct path of a hurricane. And so I also think that combined experience can make you a little more battle-weary as well as uh, lend you a false sense of security. And I think that can be true in marriage. The longer you've been with people, um, the less you think big deals are going to be big deals and you might choose a less appropriate course of action. Same with as your kids get older, suddenly the fear that, you know, they're going to break their arm or be kidnapped or whatever is less of a thing. And so as, as you tend to 
stock up on these different experiences in your business. You know, I can think of one with us. We're, we're starting a new arm of our company shortly here with a Facebook ads buyer, a really great one who, and, and, but we know we've been burned enough that we know we can't do anything with him until we've got a contract on paper. Sure. And so life experience also helps you define what risks you're willing to take. Yeah. It really comes down to what's your risk threshold. You know, one of the things that as you know, if you've been an entrepreneur uh, for any length of time, you're very cognizant of is the amount of risk that you have personally from a financial perspective, you know, as far as your business is concerned. And depending on how long you've been an entrepreneur, you probably also realize that there's a risk threshold that you need to be comfortable with from an emotional mental health perspective as well, right? Like those are two very specific things. But, you know, where does that risk, you know, where does that risk threshold actually live? And it's different for everybody. Mm -hmm. You know, like I can tell you that um, one of the, you know, one of the risk thresholds that that we're that I'm personally constantly looking at as far as the business is concerned, it, you know, and I think that most people do, certainly when you're in the, the stage of business that we're in right now, uh, which is a growth, um, mm -hmm. a, like a hockey sticking growth type of a phase, is cash flow. You're constantly looking at cash flow. You're constantly looking to see exactly what you have liquid and what you can have liquid at any at, at any given moment or in a short period of time. That's an incredibly important component. Understanding that a lot of variables can take place. You know, a lot of variables can take place and and either positively or adversely affect you. And so you need to understand like, you know, how much uncertainty are you willing to handle? how much risk are you willing to handle? And quite frankly, that risk, uh, that risk threshold is going to change over time. Yes. You know, especially depending on other situations that are going on in your life. For instance, my risk threshold was much higher, much higher, call it five, six years ago before we had children. Yes. And what's interesting is, is that I would argue that the risks that we take now are far more aggressive, but they're, they're but weighted. Have... They're weighted though, is the thing they're counterweighted. Mm -hmm. um, so we're a little, we're a lot more distributed now than we used to be, call it five, six years ago. Yes. And so by, by, I would, would argue that we have uh, mitigated a lot of our risk by simply distributing distributing out where our income comes from where exactly where the income and where the business lines come from yeah but you know the point is is that your risk threshold really does change mm -hmm. and i believe that the most important thing that you can possibly have in this world actually is an acute sense of self-awareness mm -hmm. and Part of self-awareness, uh, you know, there's a, there's a couple different components of, of self-awareness, but but part of it is having a very clear self-awareness of exactly what your risk, risk threshold is in each of the primary facets of your life, right? In your in your marriage, mm -hmm. in within your family, mm -hmm. and and your business, and I would actually extend that even a step a step above, which is personally as well. Yeah, well, as we've talked about before, hun, like if 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 you're not personally grounded. I don't see how any of the other three can survive. Truly, not long term. Not long. You term. can fake it. There is the whole fake it till you make it and and you and I have each talked about how sometimes we have to get to that point. Look, one of my one of my one of my uh, really valued mentors in San Falsafi has actually said to me point blank, "Look, man, you know, you can either you can you can probably live through the next 40 years of your life, but you need to find a way to make a life." 
mm-hmm. like a real legitimate life out of the next 40 years of your life. Mm-hmm. And so to me, that actually, I, I do believe that it's, it's, it is possible to completely band-aid yourself yes. and sedate yourself enough that you can live through anything. That's not a healthy choice. And furthermore, all. specifically for this, you're not going to know what the appropriate risks to take are if you don't know what your personal thresholds are. For example, in our marriage, one of the risks that I am very comfortable taking that I don't know that I would if I weren't confident in myself and in Mick is Mick's best friend is a beautiful woman, beautiful, kind, smart, driven, entrepreneurial woman. Love her to pieces. I do too, actually. She's also one of our clients. They end up doing a lot of travel together. They don't like travel together, but they end up at the same places a lot. I'm not usually there because someone has to stay home and handle the kids and all that jazz. And occasionally, not very often as this happened, but occasionally we're there by ourselves. Yeah. You know, it's just, we're there for like a day or two before an event or something like that. And we've got some things to work on. Yeah. I am not... That, that is a calculated risk that I'm willing to take because I am confident in myself. I am confident in Mick. I know this woman well enough to know her character. Um, and, and I've had people very close to me ask the question, are you worried about this relationship? You know what's fat? I'm sorry, continue. I don't want to cut well, you off. Well, no, I mean, I, and, and, and I can answer truthfully, heartfelt, I am not worried about that relationship. It's just, you know, what's interesting is that I've never actually considered this in terms of a, of, of a calculated risk. Although I, I suppose from, if, if I, if I flipped that, it's yeah. totally a calculated risk. I was going to say, put it it's on the other totally end. It's totally a calculated risk. Are you kidding me? There's no possible way that that's not a calculated risk. It's just, it, it, it's, I think it's, it, I think it's because of, I, I know you and I know me and I know her and. Exactly. It's fine. (laughs) Yes. It's it's really. And it is actually fine. Yeah. But if I don't have, if I'm not secure in that knowledge, then I don't know that it is a risk I'm willing to take. And what type of repercussions might there be if you and she did not have this type of, of close, friendly relationship? Would she still be a client? Would you still have a conference buddy? Would you... I mean, like we're getting ready Honestly, to. She's so much. She's so much of a sister to me uh, that I. I mean, I hadn't even considered what it would be like. But that's just really interesting. But and and so it really goes back to you have to know your own risk threshold. This is a calculated risk that I am comfortable taking. Just like Mick having a motorcycle right now is not a calculated risk. That is not a risk that I'm willing to have him take right now. The repercussions of that. Listen, our, our, it's never going to be completely safe for Mick to have a motorcycle. Even though I know he'll always wear a helmet, fine, whatever. Um, it's never going to be a completely safe thing. Just like Mick traveling with a beautiful woman is never going to be a completely safe thing. But if you're confident in the facts, if you're confident in your relationships, if you really weigh what's important and what's not, Mick having somebody else that he can talk to is, is important. And so say all that to say, calculated risk, risk is part of life. You're always going to have to deal with risks. You're always going to have to weigh consequences, but it is up to you and you and your spouse in your relationship to decide what risks you can take without completely torpedoing your life. What does that look like in your marriage? What does that look like with your family? 
Are you buying a motorcycle? No. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. What does that look like in your business? What business risks can you take? Mix right. Like we, we are arguably taking bigger risks than we ever have before, especially considering we now have several employees and an office and payroll and different arms of the business. And oh, by the way, two small kids. But these are risks that we know will have a high reward as well. And that's the other piece. Are the risks you're willing to take, do they have a strong payoff? What is the worst that could happen, but what is the best that could happen? So love to hear from you guys. Uh, comment on Facebook, pop over and send us a message on our website. But we'd love to know how you do your risk assessment, what risks you're glad you took, and what lessons you've learned from really shitty risks you've taken. Thanks for spending time with us today here on the Marriage Family Business Podcast. Now, if you enjoyed this episode, then there are just two things we would love for you to do. Number one, leave a rating and a review for us in iTunes. It really helps us know what kind of content we need to produce for you. And secondly, head on over to marriagefamilybusinesspodcast.com and subscribe for free to get all the resources shared in every episode emailed directly to you. That way you don't have to go searching for anything discussed on any episode. It'll just be in your inbox. We'll catch you on the next episode of the MFB podcast. 